you, Brother Toby. Jude. Are you ready? New International Version. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James, to those who've been called, that would be uh, us, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later, are you all listening? Because I'm going to light it on fire, and you really need to listen, all right? I'm going to back up just a second, just checking, verse 5. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example. As a what? An example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, in the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do not understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain. Is everybody okay? <laughs> this is awesome. Praise God. All right. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain. Blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them, quote, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all ungodly acts they committed in their ungodliness and all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers, 
and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Woo-hoo-hoo! Whoa, all right, here we go. Lord, come and mess us up with truth. Amen. You may be seated. I was moved uh, by a number of things that's taken place recently, and... Um, as a result of those things, and having spent uh, considerable time studying and praying, I bring you this message. And uh, I only regret is that there's not more people to hear it. However, there are those online, and perhaps there'll be those that will go back and listen to the word being preached tonight at a later date. There are many people that are connected to our Facebook, of course, live. God bless all you Facebookers, uh, all of the YouTubers out there. God bless you. And if you ever uh, need to go back and listen to something, I, I do believe in going back and listening to words that were preached over and over and over because it'll drill down into your heart and become part of you. Uh, a strong word, uh, which I hope that this will be a powerful word, a life-changing word, which I pray this will be for you and for me, should be listened to over and over, like Sunday night. Amen. Now, Sunday night, some of you weren't here, you weren't able to come, but you can go back and listen to that. That was a powerful word on spiritual warfare prayer, which is really just elementary for the body of Christ, uh, or it should be. And many people try to move on to the deep things, but they can't add just yet. Adding arithmetic is elementary. There are elementary teachings in the word as Hebrews talks about the laying on of hands and such, uh, judgment, so on and so forth, and many people don't have any understanding of the elementary things. Spiritual warfare is an elementary principle. It's not passe. It's not 80s. It's today, and we're in the war. We're in the battle, and we have victory. We fight from a place of victory and about spiritual warfare. You don't want to miss that. So tonight, I preach on uh, Jude. Uh, the whole book. Uh, I won't take great detail about the angels that were put in a place of a, a dungeon reserved for judgment. I won't talk too much about that because that's not the main point. The main point is this. You don't have to fall. Ever. 
You don't ever have to backslide. You don't ever have to fail. You don't ever have to lose your marriage. You don't ever have to fall into adultery or drug addiction or backslide. You don't ever have to have that happen. That is not God's will for you. And just because you might see it all over the place doesn't mean it's coming to your house. I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't coming to mine. I'm making sure it's not going. And if you could take this word, apply it to your life, you won't fall, period. What stirred me was a conversation that Pastor Vince and I had. And uh, there was a, a man that was a part of our church a while back. And, um, and he was picked up on drug charges with a weapon uh, as a... Um, uh, he was prowling around after women. And I'm thinking, now how does that happen? I mean, listen, if you ever see somebody just who's loving God, I mean, in the, in, the, in the front, worshiping God, loving the Word, memorizing the Word, in prayer, in every service, and then, then you see them picked up for drug charges with a, with a weapon, and they were, they were stalking. I don't, I, I don't really care if they're online or they know who I'm talking about. I don't really care. I'm going to use you as an example. I ain't going to say your name. I'm not going to do that. We're going to protect. But, but at the same time, um, that ain't happening to me. Amen. It ain't gonna happen to you either. Your wife will straight kill you before that happens. <laughs> the truth is, your allegiance to the Lord holds you in the place that you are way before your wife. But thank God for godly wives. Thank God for godly husbands. Jude is a Jude's not a real happy book. You know, it's kind of like thank you, Pastor Barry. Jude's not a real happy book. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of intense. Um, you, you, you're reading, I mean, it's strong. It, it's, 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 not, it's like a, like a warm, fuzzy book. It, it, it's intense. But we need, we need strong meat for the day and the hour in which we live. Over the years, I've seen many men and many women fall. Men have a tendency to fall out of sexual lust. That's a tendency for men. Now, before you give me a big shout and amen, let me just tell you why women generally fall. Women generally fall because of emotional need. They don't fall generally because of sexual lust. Men generally fall because of sexual lust. Women fall because of an emotional need, generally. Generally. So, the book of Jude <laughs> brings some serious warnings. And it uh, uh, brings great confrontation. And uh, Jude is kind of like lamentations. I mean, it's not like I want to get encouraged. I'm not picking up the book of Jude any more than I was just like, oh, I can't wait to read lamentations. The book of Jude warns us two things, two things right from the verses of Scripture here. The first one, it warns us that there's an enemy within. Are you talking about our church? Is there an enemy in the church? Hey, no doubt. Yes. Who is it? I don't know, but if I find them, I'm happy to talk to them, help them out. Verse 4, there's an enemy within for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly crept in among you. So there's enemies within. He's talking about the church. He's, he's saying, hey, there's an enemy within the church. He's writing and he's telling you there's an enemy in the church. Everybody say there's enemies in church in the church. Yeah, in every church, even a beautiful church like this, yeah, 
Where are they? I don't know. I pray that God helps them. You know, and we confront whatever needs to be confronted. Happy to do it. Somebody's here trying to fleece a sheep. It won't be long before the shepherd's crook be right up around your neck. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And it doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean me. We got lots of shepherds here. In fact, you all are supposed to be shepherds and loving each other. How many of you know that? Come on, the shepherd didn't protect the sheep. That would not be a very good shepherd. That would be a hireling. So there's an enemy within the church, and uh, there's not only an enemy within the church, there could be an enemy within our lives. So, so when we say within, he's talking about the church, but how many of you know you could have things on the inside of you that is the enemy as well? One of the prayers that we frequently pray in morning prayer, and I invite every one of you to come. It's a new hour. It's a new day. The battle is bigger, broader, and wider. And if you think you're going to waltz on into the promises of 2019, whistling Dixie, not doing anything, I'm just telling you right now, it requires another level of, of warfare, another level of declaration, another level of increase, another new, new anointing you need. New anointing. Come on, lift your hands all across this place and say, God, I need something new. I need, I need something new from you to go into the new season. When you need a fresh anointing, and fresh anointing doesn't come without fresh prayer and, and, and sacrifice and setting yourself apart. Come on, lift your hands and just ask God to give you a fresh anointing tonight. Lord, release a fresh anointing upon us and a burden for prayer. Amen. So you can have an enemy on the inside. So morning prayer, we frequently pray, Lord, expose anything. Lord, reveal anything on the inside of me that's out of accord with your scripture. I pray that all the time. Lord, show me. Do I have any strongholds? Do I have any mindsets? Do I have any that, that are contrary, that are messed up? Am I jacked up on the inside? Do I have, do I have some BS on the inside belief system <laughs> in, on the inside of me that, that needs to go? What's wrong with you guys? Come on, to the pure, all things are pure. You all are crazy. Do I have any beliefs? Woke some of you up now. You, you were awake now. Do I have any in my belief system? Is any of my belief system jacked up? Because you are what you believe. As a man believes in his heart, so he is. And if you have things on the inside of you that are lies, and you, the power of the devil is in a lie. And if you believe the lie, then you will suffer the consequences of it. And, and Jude is saying that there are certain men that have crept inside. And licentious men, men of condemnation, men of lust he's talking about. But here's the thing. On the inside of every one of us, potentially there's things that need to be rooted out and torn down. There's ways that we need to change in which we, the way that we think so that we can walk in victory in power so 12 things 12 things right from this text that's listed right here in the book of Jude that will help you like a checklist I tried to put those stupid little boxes I needed the graphic artist when I was doing my notes but you can just alongside of your notes if you have it going on then you just check it in other words yeah I think I've been doing some of that then just check all right make a checklist so the first one is, this is 12 ways how the enemy works. And if he can get into, one, get into you and operate through any one of these 12, then you have great potential of falling. But if you can push these things out and line your life up, you will not fail, you will not fall. Can someone say yes? One of the ways the enemy works is he distorts the grace of God. 
distorts the grace of God. He says, he says you got to contend, like heavyweight contender. It's, it's talking about a fight. He says, godless men who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality. Listen, some people think, some people think they could just go and live with however they want, and then they repent. I, maybe their thoughts cross your mind. I can punch his face, repent later, and the Lord will forgive me. Has anybody, am I the only one that had that thought? It's been a while, but I'm just saying, if you have a distortion of grace, it just thinks you can live however you want to and then just repent. That's a distorted view of grace. Any message of grace that causes you to, uh, that, that, that allows your conscience to do more sin and get away with it is a false message of grace. We've, we've told you that before. And these men, these teachers, these gangrenous teachers come in and they talk about false grace. There is a hyper grace a neo-Calvinism that's spreading all across America. I don't really hear about it too much in Alaska, although I have had some colleagues hand, hand me books that were completely distorted about the grace of God and that everybody's saved. They just don't know it yet, that he died for the sins of all the world, so really everybody's saved, but they haven't figured it out yet. I mean, you gotta, you got to erase and remove so much scripture to come up with that kind of theology. I mean, it's just crazy. I remember a story, and I, some of you might know this story, but Dr. James Morocco, years ago, uh, he, he was born and raised, well, he was born in Calcutta, India. He was raised there for a season and then went to the Philippines. So he was a teenager when he was in the Philippines. And he took over a church uh, from the um, Lester Summerall, is the one that planted that church, many, many, many years ago. And he took over Dan Morocco and Esther Morocco took over that church. Now, if you're from the Philippines, you'll know that there is a great battle. In fact, not just the Philippines. The devil fights hard over land all over the world. And the fact that we have that piece of property is 16 acres and a building a building is, you, you have, many of you have no clue about what a miracle that is. Wouldn't, wouldn't Costco love to have that? Wouldn't, wouldn't any, any company love to have that prime piece of property? But God gave it to us. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. So there was a battle over the church property because it was worth a lot of money. And Dan Morocco began to, you know, stood his ground. And there were those that came to try to disturb and steal the property. And in actual fact, assassins were hired and tried to kill Dan Morocco. He was, uh, a man came after him in the sanctuary and, and, and blasted the side of his skull with a large lock and broke his skull, as I recall. And, uh, you know, I mean, all kinds of things happened. And they went into 24 hours a day, seven-day-a-week prayer meetings for seven whole years. They had a prayer meeting that didn't end. And in the end of seven years, they broke through. Do you know that church is one of the mega churches of the Philippines today with some 40,000 people in it right in Manila? Now, that never would have happened if a Dan and an Esther Morocco didn't sink in and, and fight. But there were those that came in that, in that time, about a year into it, and uh, there were leaders around Dan Morocco, and one of the leaders said, um, Pastor, let me talk to you. I, we, we have a solution to the problem of these people trying to kill you. We have a solution. He said, well, what is it? He says, I know some people in the north, and they'll just come down and kill him. And uh, it'll be over. It's a believer. It's like, you know, elder type, mature believer. We'll just kill him. 
and uh, we move on with the harvest. And Dan Morocco says, uh, no. No, we can't do that. That's wrong. He says, we'll just repent. We'll repent. The Lord will forgive us. He says, no, that's not how it works. There are faulty understandings of grace, and if you aren't settled in what real biblical grace is, you will end up falling. You can't just do whatever you want. He said, well, what do I do if I have done whatever I want? Repent. 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 But there's still consequences. Oh, the, listen, the, you could leave tonight and go rob the bank and repent. All right? And you might even get away with it and repent. And will the Lord forgive you? Yes. That's the reality of it. He will. If there's true repentance, he will forgive you. However... It's going to release consequences and demonic activity in your life to the likes that you have no clue. So what you think you're doing that you can get away with and just ask God to forgive you is actually opening a Pandora's demonic box in your life. Listen, David repented after he slept with Bathsheba. He repented. Did God forgive him? Yeah, and that's like prior to, the, prior to Jesus, the Lord forgave him. Was he forgiven? Yeah. However, I mean... Total destruction in his family. I mean, you talk about, you know, all of the things that happened to his kids, his wives, his son took all his wives and slept with them on the rooftop, and on and on and on. The consequences were far more than he ever wanted to pay that went on to generations. Listen, he had a lust problem. Track with me for a second. How many wives did Solomon have? One thousand. You think David had a problem with one woman on a, on a looking out the you know the window and a little bit of murder to go along with that? Solomon, one thousand wives, and consulted the dead. Did all kinds of craziness. You think it's just you? It's not just you. It's the generations that'll come afterwards. And you can repent. Yeah, you can repent, but you still got consequences. I quote my mama all the time on this one. I just love it. She said, son, you've sowed some bad seeds. I said, yeah. She says, we need to pray for crop failure. Come on, let's pray. Father, Jesus, <laughs> ah, Lord, let those seeds fail. Some of you are like, I think I need to pray that. Well, go ahead, Lord, help us. The seeds that we've sown. Now, if you have a distortion on grace, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. Distort, distorts uh, the leader, the enemy distorts the leadership of Christ. This is verse four. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality, and they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. See, some people have been just really wounded uh, in the area of, well, most people, have been, most people have been wounded. We've all been wounded. Welcome to the human race. You got to get healed. When you come and you give your life to Jesus, he's got to become the Lord of your life. Let me, let, me, let me make this plain. So you come to the altar, you give your heart to Jesus, you repent of your sin. Maybe, maybe you're watching a Billy Graham crusade and you repent. Or maybe you got saved here, you gave your heart to Jesus, you believed that Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave. You repented and you believed on the Lord Jesus. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Boom. You get saved. It's real. You get saved. He wants to work through your whole life. You have to give your whole life to him. There's people that go to church all their life and they have like church life. 
and like their other life. Has anybody ever had guests that are one of, you know, they call and they're like, oh, we're in town and we just want to come over and have a cup. Is this a good time? I mean, it's like your cousins who you're close to or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you can't say no, so they're coming. But meanwhile, your house is hammered. Oh, not your house. Your house is perfect. That's that OCD you probably need to be delivered of. But anyway. So what do you do? We've, had, we've been in construction, I think, for two years. So there's construction stuff all over. We're, we're progressing. Rome wasn't built in a day. We're progressing. And there's times when we, we'll have leaders meetings or I'll have my staff over. And, and it's just kind of like get everything together and get it in the garage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's going to be like, get it in the Get it in the garage. And you, you know, you shut the door and then it, it goes back up because, you know, you got to uh, kick some more stuff. In. Yeah, does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, okay, maybe it's not your garage. Maybe you clean your house and you stuff everything up in the closet. So then Jesus comes over and you just want him to stay in the living room. He's like, let's, you know, the TV's here. You know, we can have food. We'll eat right here, Jesus, everything. He's like, no, I, I want to go to upstairs. Uh, no. You can't go upstairs. No, no, I want to go upstairs. And he starts going upstairs. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Just don't go in the bedroom. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, I want to go in the bedroom. And he goes in the bedroom, and your bedroom's hammered. And then he says, actually, I want to see the closet. Don't you open the closet, Jesus. The lordship of Jesus Christ means he's not just in your life when you, when you, you want him some convenient way where he can stay in your living room. You invite Jesus into your life and he goes all the way into the closets through the garage. He goes down into the basement. Come on, he goes in to check out your sewage pipes and stuff. He checks out your septic system. He checks out every chamber of your heart. And if you don't allow him to have that, then you're going to fall. If you hold some secrets, then sin. What I've seen people over and over and over that fall, they always have a room that's theirs. Listen, he's either the Lord of all or he ain't the Lord at all. You can have all of me, Jesus. Is he the Lord of your life? Okay, is he the Lord of your internet use? How about your Netflix? Don't shout me down in the lobby, all you security people trying to get away with it. He's got to be the Lord of all. And the enemy will distort the leadership of Christ. He's a, he's a, he's a good God, and you have to trust his leadership. And if you don't trust his leadership, then it's going to be very difficult for you. Don't compartmentalize Jesus. Don't have a public life. Politicians say that it makes me angry. Have a public life and a private life. What? Don't judge my private life. Has anybody ever heard that? Don't judge my private This is my private life. This is my private life. Judge my public. Look at the record. Judge my public life. Buddy, your private life will soon become your public life. You can't separate that. By the way, we've invited... Um, many of the candidates that are running for office to be in our 11 o'clock service on Sunday so that we can pray for them. And uh, if you're with us, you'll be a part of that. We're 
We want to honor them and bless them. Uh, the enemy will operate and uh, defile us. Look at verse 8. We're talking about 12 points out of the book of Jude that will cause you, if you can operate right and, and, and keep these 12 things out of your life, you'll never fall. So, number three, defiles us. Verse eight, in the same way, on the strength of their dream, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. He's, he's talking about these angels, and uh, it goes, it's referring to Genesis. It's, it's a rather profound passage of scripture where the, the sons of God slept with the daughters of men, took, took from the daughters of men wives because they thought they were beautiful. And it's a, it's a picture, now it's, it's hotly debated about what took place there. But here in Jude, it talks about, because it ties it into Sodom and Gomorrah, and the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah were sexual sins. So it's talking about angels that committed basically sexual sin with human beings, and as a result of that, we're put in a, a, a place of, of um, a, a dungeon, basically. And, and they're a sin. They're, they're locked away for now. Some say, well, they've been released. I don't see that in Scripture. But it's, it's a pretty intense passage. It's a picture of defilement. And that's why the flood came, because you can't have a bunch of kings that ran around that were half demons and half human beings running the earth. And uh, let me just throw this out, as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Defilement. If you get defiled, verse 8, then you're, you're going you're to be in trouble. Sexual sin is what he's talking about. Listen, pornography is going to defile you. It's not okay for you to look at naked pictures of people. It's not okay. You say, well, I'm married. Listen, let me just say this. And I'm, I'm going to say it veiled. So if you can't track, okay, that's okay, then it's not for you. You know, selfies, I think selfies are all right. I mean, I don't like the name of it, but, you know, you can take a picture of yourself, right? And it's amazing how, you know, we just, gosh, I look all greasy and old. See, I mean, that's exactly the point. But isn't that the point? Because we just like want to look good on the thing and look good, right? I think, how do I say this? I have the fear of God about images and my phone. So I don't text my wife and she doesn't text me like that. Ever. Why? Because it's, it's like a disembodied human. It's, 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 to me, he said, well, it's, I'm married. All right, well, listen, you live according to your convictions, okay? I'm just saying, for me, we've sent each other pictures of each other's faces, but I'm saying like that, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm not, I'm, that's not happening. I'm not allowing for that thing to swirl in my heart. As a man, I am doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm cracking that door. We have a conviction about that. Listen, you can get defiled through the things that you see, through the things that you, you hear. I told you a story just recently about my daughter having to watch this movie at Evangel and all that. And yeah, I said the name, and I've called them, and they've called me back. 
and now I've called them, and now I'm all the way to the head of the thing, and I'm waiting for the call back? Yeah, absolutely. Required my daughter to watch a rated R movie at a Christian school. We can get that somewhere else. You're paying for her to go to school, and you have to watch a rated R movie? Come on. Now, when she, I, I felt stirred to call her, I call her. She's weeping. She's in the last three minutes of the movie. Watch this now. Last three minutes of the movie. I said, what's going on? She says, Dad, I've been defiled. She's never seen nasty stuff like that ever, and she's required by a class to watch the movie. I'm going to tell you, I wanted to come through the phone and wring somebody's neck for the love of God. Made me mad. So then she tells me what the movie is. I saw the movie when I was way back a million years ago in the 70s, and when she told me what the movie was, I remembered the image that scarred my mind, and it came all back to life right on time. Oh, get this, though. About an hour before I have to preach, pray, and prophesy over hundreds of people. Now, you tell me that's not the devil. That is absolutely the devil operating through some idiot at school that requires them. And yeah, I said it, idiot. That's my, the amplified Bracken version. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You can teach principles of film and not use defiled stuff. Christians ought to be coming up with new principles of film. Anyway, defilement, if you don't deal with that, if you don't deal with defilement of pornography or anger, you can get defiled by somebody's rage. You can get defiled by, by things you see, by things you hear, vicariously. Who would think that I would, right before I'm going into what's called a call-out room, I talk to my daughter. Who would think? What a, the devil's a tricky devil. But we have the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, I prayed. My wife prayed for me. We took authority over, did some etcher sketch. Oh, Jesus took authority, take every thought captive and make it obedient, cast that thing down, move on, and had a great move of God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. But defilement, if you get defiled in any way, and we'll talk about that in our encounters, but if you get defiled, it can get you to, to fall. Four, not being submitted. Oh, snap. Rejecting authorities and slandering celestial beings. Listen, if you grew up in a home and you were wounded by your parents, or maybe your parents used you in a way that was really manipulative, and they hurt you. And, 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 and there's all levels of abuse, okay? I want to first of all tell you I'm sorry. And then I want to say this, that you can be healed of whatever you have been through. Whatever the deepest, darkest thing is, you can be healed. We have, we have someone in our church that's not here, but corporately worldwide, and I'm not going to tell you where. They were basically used as a, a, a satanic toy. And I'm not even going to tell you all the details of it. But God miraculously intervened, brought her out of that situation, and she got saved in our church. Do you know what happened? The people from the, the cult, which was her family, was her grandfather, was the high priest of the satanic whatever, came looking, flew thousands of miles, and came to the town and knocked on, found where she lived, knocked on the door, and tried to get her. A neighbor saw what was going on, thought the man was breaking in, called the police. He came and said, I'm grabbing my granddaughter or whatever it was and bringing her back, back to the family. He ended up getting a restraining order, and he had, to, he had to leave and all kinds of, God protected her. But I'm telling you, if you've been through stuff like that, it's hard for you to submit to authority. 
Yet you have a problem because you don't trust it. So you got to be healed. Listen, authority is not for abuse. Authority is for protection. Authority is to protect you. God is our ultimate authority. And, but, but there's all kinds of realms of authority. Government is an authority. Your employer is an authority. In church, there's an authority. Family, there's an authority. My parent, my, my kids have to obey me. They must obey me. You know, some kids, they turn 18, they're like, I'm 18 now. That might as well be 14. Now listen, in the beginning, you know, you're training them and you're picking them up and you help them go to the bathroom. Eventually they start taking themselves to the bathroom. Praise the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. I remember when diapers were done. I was like, yeah, come on, dude. When they got potty trained. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, you're praying for that day. But as they grow, you know, you increasingly begin to take your hands off them and you teach them. I picked all their friends. I'm just going to tell you, in, when they're in elementary school, preschool, even into high school, they start learning. By the time they're seniors, they should have a good idea of picking a healthy friend. Up until that point, we picked every one of them. Why? Because I'm not going to see my kid defiled. It's a, it's a fine line between control and good godly parenting. And we ride that edge. And we failed plenty. And we repent. But many times when you grow up in a home where there's lots of control, or maybe you've been in a part of a church where the pastor tried to pick your wife or pick your spouse or pick your, your, your couch or tell you you had to sell a piece of something and give it to the Lord, run out of that kind of church. Just run Forest, run. Run as fast as you can. Get, get away from, con listen, if you have a spirit of control, you'll never have revival. You will never have an outpouring. You, 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 you just can't. Religion and the control and all of that is just, can really bring wounds. But at the same time, you learn, need to learn to submit to authority. Healthy authority. And if you're not learning to be submitted, you're going to have a door for the enemy to operate. I mean, who holds your shut-up card? I've preached it before. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're good. Who holds your shut-up card? Who is it that can tell you, sit down and zip it because you're talking stupid right now and the dream that you say is from God is not from God and here's a chapter and verse and you're, no, no, be quiet. Who does that for you? Because you're like, I don't know. I'm on, man. You're, you're a moron. None of us, none of us are our own men. We are all submitted. I am submitted. And we submit one to another. My wife submits to me. I submit to my wife. Why? Because she's way smarter than me. And she helps me. But then we've got this Holy Spirit thing where she knows when I've really heard from God and then that she might be more apprehensive about things at times, we'll move forward because she knows I have a word from the Lord. Yet at other times, I'll want to just jump and she's like, it's not God. When I'm in it, but she says that, then we know. And then like, I would have jumped to my death. And we work together at this ebb and flow. And if it wasn't for my wife, I would not be standing here. Some of you don't know how to submit to your spouse. You swallowed some stupid pill that says it, that, you know, you're the man of your house. You're supposed to be the, the, the doormat. You do whatever I say. You're supposed to be like Christ to your wife, which means crucifixion, buddy. 
brother, that's crucifixion. Yeah, praise God for the resurrection, but meanwhile, you're going to have to die to yourself. you got to learn to submit to authority. There's a great book by uh, John Bevere called Undercover. I'd encourage everybody to read it. It's a great book, Undercover. Whose authority you wonder? Let's move on. Being arrogant, this is right in the text. Woe to them. They've taken the way of Cain. They've rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Korah's rebellion is a picture of pride and arrogance. If you get arrogant and prideful, pride is like bad breath. You're usually the last one to know you have it. And this is talking about that and, and many other things. Being jealous like Cain, number six. Being jealous like Cain. And Cain was also bitter. You let bitterness and jealous, jealousy get into you, I mean, you're headed for a wipeout. You're going to fall. Somebody say, don't do it. You know, your friend gets a new car or a new truck or something, and you like, they want to show it to you so you can rejoice, and you get out there, and you're like, oh, that's nice. Lord never gave me a car. How come the Lord doesn't give me a new truck? That's a nice truck. Being self-centered, verse 12, these people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who only feed themselves. Wow, self-centered. Listen, if you're talking, if there's a lot of I in your speech, there's something wrong. It's the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. If you're all self-centered, you're headed for a fall. Listen, get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes on others. Help other people. Don't get self-centered. I'm, uh, listen, I don't want you picked up as a stalker with a gun smoking crack. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I'm trying to tell you that Jude has written to us because many of you have already checked off three or four. I'm trying to help you. I had all 12, if that makes you feel better. Not really. Okay, I'm just kidding. But you got to examine yourself. Self-centered. Nine. Be concerned about appearances. Where do you get that? They're clouds without rain. There's so many people. Listen, if you're concerned more about the way that you appear than the way that you are, God is into character. He's into character. Living right is what matters. That's what matters. Living right is what matters. Like the sea that crashes, the waves that foam up. Ooh. And then after it goes down, you see all the barnacles and everything. Failing to fulfill God's purposes. Where do you get that? Verse 12. Wind, autumn trees, without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. We're called to bring forth fruit. Listen to me, listen, listen. If you don't have fruit in your life, you've got to ask yourself what the problem is. Or, should I say, what kind of fruit's in your life? I mean, if you just see dead stuff everywhere and people wounding and hurting, you're probably, you know, you got some problems. What is the fruit that's coming forth from your life? In your marriage, in your kids, in the job. What's the fruit that's coming forth? If you have, if you have unhealthy fruit, then that's an indication that there's some roots. I'll never forget my wife working for a place called the Kihei Cafe. We were just there and had the most romantic breakfast when we were in Hawaii. It was beautiful. And she was the best, finest barista in the earth. And you still are, babe. 
So I remember at the back of the Kihei Cafe, I actually looked for it, but I didn't say anything. I, I just forgot to tell you. But there was a, there was a tangerine tree. And the tangerine, this thing had these tangerines on it. They looked beautiful, but I'm telling you, they were the nastiest. I mean, the nastiest. It would close my throat. I, I, I tried them twice. So the first time I tried, I'm like, what? Sick. I mean, it looked good, but it tasted bad. So I tried it again, and the same thing. I thought, okay, it wasn't a fluke. There's something wrong. Do you know... That that thing was right on top of the Kihei Cafe sewer, and I just think, and you know, now I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a plant guy. Maybe plants can filter out all the turds or whatever. But it sure tasted like it got into the. It sure tasted like it got in there. Uh, that the, the spirit, their spiritual application is certainly true. That if you have rotten, nasty, stinky fruit, it's because your roots are in something that needs to change. Look at your neighbor and say, well, he ain't talking to me. Is he talking to you? Come on, tell him. <laughs> Failing to fulfill God's purposes to produce fruit will cause you to have problems and can cause you to, to basically fall. What are you talking about? You've got to obey God. And you have to stay on the cutting edge of obedience, serving him day in, day out as a lifestyle, producing fruit. What is your life about? What is the purpose of your life? Why are you breathing? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you alive? And when you move forward in, the, in your purpose and the plan of God, it helps you to stay free from, from the yoke of the enemy, and it helps you to not fall. But if you, if you shrink back, as some are in the habit of doing unto destruction, well, that'll be just that, destruction. Grumbling. Oh, snap. Now this one, I checked this one. Honestly, I did. I did. I, I had some stuff I was grumbling about. Come on, are you making a little checklist? You just, no, I don't have that one. Yes, I have that one. Okay, so I checked grumbling. I repented. I'm good. I haven't grumbled in at least an hour and a half. <laughs> if you're constantly grumbling and finding fault with people, you're headed for a train wreck. If you're constantly grumbling and finding fault with people, these people are grumblers, verse 16, fault finders. Listen, we all have faults. Quit trying to pull the, 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 the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a, a log in your own. Every one of us has faults. All of us do. And if you're constantly looking at somebody to nitpick and find their fault, then you're the one actually that's got the issues. Boasts about themselves, 12, final one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how Jude helps us to protect ourselves. We'll be done. It's 828. Do you know where your children are? Boast about themselves and flatter others for their own purposes. You know, flattery, verse 16, uh, flattery is, I don't like flattery. I, 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 don't, I don't give it. I genuinely give approval um, you know, you might, ladies, you might do your hair and be wearing your new dress and look really pretty or whatever, but you ain't going to be finding it out for me. I'm just telling you. I ain't telling you. I'm, I've had it happen. You like my new hair? Nice. That's kind of what I mean. If, you know, if I don't look enthusiastic, I'm not. Why? Because, because this is my girl right here. And she's the one that has all of, my, all of my affection and all of my allegiance and all of my praise and how beautiful you are goes to you and no one else. And my, 
Hannah gets, gets them too. And my mama. Mom, you look beautiful. You start sharing words like that with other people, it can send hooks out to get people's heart because knucklehead back home is not telling his wife how pretty she is. And I'm going to just tell you, you got to tell your wife. Toby, you got to tell you. You better tell her. Tell her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can always tell. You can always tell when a woman does hear that. You hear that. Because they have a look about them. They have a look like, well, I'm pretty. <laughs> when I tell my wife that she's pretty, she walks like this. Oh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That hand just goes right out. Oh, 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 come on, come on, bring it. You can, I'll, I'll allow you to be unmuted. Go ahead. That's not true. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. You be careful, uh, sir, ma'am. You be careful of those who are building you up all the time and flattering you all the time. That would make me nervous. It's just, I mean, we all need a pat on the back. I'm not talking about encouragement. You know, that, that, that's good. We all should encourage one another, but it can move over to flattery. We were at a wedding. Do you remember that? Long time ago, unnamed folks. <laughs> and, and, and we're at the wedding, and, and the wedding coordinator in a spirit-filled church not our church, but it was a spirit-filled church, I think. And the wedding coordinator says, oh, get all the bridesmaids together. Now all you hang on the groom, and you just flirt and stroke his hair. And I, as they're doing that, this is wedding photos, okay? So as they're doing it, like, I said, really? Is that really what you're doing? She looked, she looked at me. I said, man, where, is that like, what are you doing? I said, I, I wasn't in a, I, I wasn't in a place to change it. I'm in that place now. Because the scar that that can bring on a marriage. And so I would stop a fool from doing that now. I didn't have the kind of authority that I walk in now. Or grace. I had less grace. I would have, would have done something like, man, what's wrong with you? You got a lust problem. You know, instead of like grace. Being kind. You can say the truth, in, the truth without love is sin. Speak the truth in, in love. So you could say the truth and hurt all kinds of people. You might be saying the truth. You're still in sin. That was bonus. It's not there, but you can write it in the, in the side. All right, let's look at this. Jude calls us to protect ourselves. Contend for the faith. It's a picture of a fight. Contend for the faith. Thirdly, now you might not have caught this, but God's judgments are real. Now, I've been doing what we're doing for quite a while. And I'm just telling you, God's judgments are real. And you can't, you can't continue to do things that are out of accord with Scripture and expect to nothing to happen. Some of you, you know, you, you're really getting a word from the Lord tonight. Because you have all kinds, of, you got half the list checked, and you're actively doing it. And you're like, man, oh, I'm just going to, you know. No, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. And I'll just tell you that we, we don't bail anybody out. Don't ever call for bail. 
And I'll say this. I don't believe in bailing people out. Why is that? Unless it was for like, I don't know, for turning a city upside down for Christ, then maybe, yeah, okay. No, but oh, I'm innocent, I really am. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't believe in bail. In fact, it's actually policy. Did you know that? It's in our handbook. We don't pay bail to anybody ever. The one time, that happened one time, 25 years ago, one of our pastors bailed somebody out, and, that, and he was in jail for spousal abuse. He got his one phone call and called the compassionate guy. And he's, he's like, man, I, I didn't do it. it was a, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Okay. Can you come bail me out? Yeah, he went. He bailed him out. They had some counseling. They went and worshiped the Lord. They had a dinner. He's like, I'm just, I'm just going to go to bed. It was a horrible day. You know, he went, he went right back to his house and almost killed his wife. It just would have been good if he spent a few days in jail. That's what I think. We got to move on. But judgments are real. God's judgments are real. See, God doesn't judge money. Oh, yes, he does. He's going to judge you. He's going to judge me. There is a judgment seat of the believer when it's all done and we're done and we die. We then get judged for our idle words and the things that we spoke and the things we did. It's not a judgment under condemnation. It'd be a great study to go study the judgment seat of Christ. Because many believers think that just because you've received Jesus, oh, your sin is forgiven, but you're still going to be held account for stuff. It, you won't go to hell over it because of the blood of the Lamb. It covers your sin. But you're still held accountable before the Lord. And some people think they're saved. Now, God's judgments are real. These angels here, referring to Genesis 6, were judged. And he's talking about that to the church because the church needs to be reminded that you and I will be judged. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 20. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. If you do this, how you protect yourself? Oh, I missed one. Strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith. How do you do that? Read the Word. Come to church on a Wednesday night. Do you know that most churches across America don't have Wednesday nights? And they don't have Sunday nights. I'm not canceling them. We'll add another service, 1 o'clock coming up on the 14th of October. And we're still going to do Sunday night. You say, you're going to be tired after that? So what? We'll rest when we die. Amen. We're going to get the harvest in. Come on. Make hay while the sun shines. Does anybody ever work on a farm? I mean, you've got to get the bales up and the storm clouds, the thunderheads are moving. Get the bales off the field. Get that. That's the hour we're in. Hard work? Yes. Hard work. Great reward, though. And think about what God can do through you. Right? Sure. Strengthen your faith. Come to church. Read the Bible. Get in a prayer in our prayer times. Be a part of a life group. Serve. 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 Do something. And strengthen your faith. Listen to messages. Grow in God. Develop healthy relationships. Look at D. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say pray in the Holy Ghost. That's what he says. You can actually build your faith by praying in the Spirit. That's praying in other tongues. I've preached messages on it. I'm almost done. I've preached messages on it. They're available online. Praying in tongues. Everybody can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not some special person that can pray in tongues. We're all special, and you can all pray in tongues. God wants to fill you, give you a prayer language so that you can pray in the Spirit. Praying in tongues with interpretation is prophecy. But praying in tongues as a prayer language is just that, 
your prayer language. Ephesians talks about it. It's in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter, it's inferred in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, on and on and on. They laid hands on them. They were filled with the Spirit. Cornelius was preaching to the Gentiles, and he didn't even lay hands on them, and they were filled with the Spirit. You need the baptism. He said, well, I heard the baptism of the Holy Spirit ceased. Well, if that's the case, why doesn't it say that in Scripture? Because it doesn't. It doesn't say that. And the Apostle Paul, when he met those who he thought were disciples of Jesus, can you imagine meeting somebody from another church? Now, don't do this. But, I mean, this is what he did. He's traveling, and he sees some people, and he thinks they're believers of Jesus, but they were from John the Baptist baptism. So he meets them. He's like, what's up? You guys get baptized on the Holy Ghost yet? What? We haven't even heard. What? What? Can you imagine asking the first person, are you from the church of the firstborn baptized house of Zion? Hey, how are you? Praise God. Praise God. Hey, you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost? What kind of thing is that to ask? It was that important to the Apostle Paul. Now, I don't know what I would do without the fire and the... Listen, I'm going to tell you one of the things that's different about this place. I mean, there's lots of great churches. I bless them all. One of the differences about this place is we believe in the power of the Spirit. You'll feel it when you roll on the parking lot. When you walk, even now, you can feel His presence, His power. It's not personality. It's not because I'm spitting and getting all excited. I'm that way anyway. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. You can feel it. There's signs and wonders that follow His Word. And we make no apologies for it. So, well, that's too much for me. All right. There's some other more conservative places, but we're staying the way we are. I'm fired. Come on, somebody. And if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost, it'll keep you from failing. It'll keep you from falling. Pray in the Spirit a lot. It's praying mysteries. It's the Holy Spirit operating, flowing through you, using you, using your mouth, using your vocal cords, praying the perfect will of God. And we could get into all kind of jurisdictional things of why God does that. You see, the, I, I, I just got to say it because I can hear it. I can hear the pushback. I feel it. I'm going to push back on you to help you. All the earth was turned over to Satan. That's why he's called the God of this age. He, he's the God of this world. The title deed was turned over to Satan by Adam in the garden. And one day Jesus is going to come and, 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 and take it all back. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm simplifying everything. But for God to move in the earth, he has to find someone of proper jurisdiction, if I could just say it that way. Somebody who's been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And prayer allows for God to move on a certain level. He can move anyway because he's God. But it really, we can cripple heaven through prayerlessness. And praying in the Holy Ghost prays mysteries, and it's a bypass to Satan and his understanding. It's a bypass to your own mind and your own understanding, and it's the perfect will of God praying right through you. Did you ever not have to pray for something you don't know how to pray? Yeah, like today, like most of the day. I, I had a day like that. No idea. So we pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit will protect you, will release power, will build up your spirit, man. It, I, I could tell you stories after stories. Those are available online. Why We Pray in Tongues is one of the names of the message. You can go and search it. It'll come right up. Why Pray in Tongues. It's a great word. It'll help you. I've known all kinds of miracle stories of people praying in tongues and how God supernaturally intervened and how God launched. John Harkey, who is uh, scheduled at this time to be with us in February, he, he was kind of a nerdy sort of believer guy that, that, that got baptized in the Holy Ghost and said, I'm just going to pray in tongues a lot. 
So he prayed in tongues for five and six hours a day as a roofer. Him and some other guy. And after about five months of praying in tongues for five and six hours a day, they would challenge each other to see how long they could pray in tongues. No English. They would only use English like, you pass me the wrench, you know, and then they would get back to praying in tongues. So, they, so for five and six hours a day, they'd pray in tongues. At the end of five months, God said he was going to get his contractor's license. And the Lord says, you're not getting a contractor's license. You're going into ministry, and you're going to travel around the world. And he knew it was God, so he said, oh. And he went into ministry, and guess what he's been doing for the past 20-plus years? Traveling around the world, he's got an amazing prophetic gift. Just amazing. He was prophesying over our pastors from Chile in, in Maui, and he had a word, uh, I think it was Ashur. He says, I keep having this word. Uh, does this mean anything to you? Ashur, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. It is the name of the city that our, our, our pastors there were going to plant the next church, and they're asking God to give them a sign, to speak to them and confirm that that's the next place. It is the name of the city. So he says, so he gives them the name, and they're like, yeah, it means something. Well, he says, it's the Lord, he says, and I'm going to do something there. And then he just goes on to this prophetic thing about what God's going to do in that city. Okay, here's a guy that was kind of like socially awkward, and all he did was pray in tongues. It's too late to tell me it doesn't work. I'm a product, I'm a product of praying in tongues. So you got to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm almost done. Keep yourselves in God's love. Everybody say, keep yourself in God's love. All right, how do you do that? Just keep doing the right thing. Do the right thing. Just keep doing the right thing. You know, when you rent a car and you scratch it, rat yourself out. You walk, don't walk past trash. Do the right thing. Tell the truth. Keep yourself in God's love. Cut off anything that wants to try to rob that from you. Don't hide. Tell the truth. Keep yourself. Allow yourself to be rebuked. I was rebuked just today. By my wife. So I was just being short. Just feeling the pressure. Probably under, not, I wasn't prayed up enough. She's like, you're, you're a little mean. You're a little short. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm thinking, hmm. Mm. Yeah. I said, I'm sorry. She says, too late. <laughs> oh, she's very gracious to me. But you've got you to keep yourself in God's love. Share your faith. Always be mindful that we're here for a reason. Share your faith. And serve. There comes a corresponding anointing. I'm almost done. Keep in mind that Jesus can keep you from falling. Verse 24. You don't ever have to backslide. I'm just telling you. I'm, I don't have another backslide in me. When I first got saved, you know, without going into all the details, I kind of was like a yo-yo. In the house, out of the house. In the house, out of the house. In the house, out of the house. Go to church, out of church. Love God, sin. Come back, ah, sin. And don't raise your hand. You know you. some of you were like that too. It took a real encounter from God. But I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. You'd have to shoot me before I'd go back. There ain't nothing to go back to. Now, but I'm also understand this, and I want you to understand it. Every single person here is capable of backsliding straight to hell. And if you don't know that, that's why you got to build these relationships. I, I just said I have my wife. I got my, I got my brother. So. 
That's a church handshake, by the way. Some of you don't know it, right? So here you go. Pound it, blow it up, baptize it. That's it. I got, I got my brothers. I've known you a long time. Known you a long time. Minister Ava, we butted heads before. Under the tent in Kauai. Shit. You got to develop that. You have to develop that. You have to develop healthy, honest relationships. Isn't that right, Wally? Am I preaching good, Wally? You can tell that, you can tell you, you tell your wife she's beautiful too. She got that look. That, sure. Feel free. Camera. Did you get something from God tonight? I'm telling you, you don't have to backslide ever. You never have to backslide. You just got to apply this stuff in your life and you can go on from glory to glory, victory to victory, stand upon your feet all across this place. I'm done. Lord, thank you. Come on, ask God to reveal anything in you. Come on, did you make a checklist? Good, start repenting. Come on, just ask Him to forgive you. Wrong thoughts, attitudes, motives. Come on, maybe you've been selfish. Listen, this is for somebody. I have a word of knowledge for somebody. I do not want you to raise your hand and run to the front unless you're moved that way, and then I, that's fine with me, but I don't want to embarrass you. There is at least one person, and on the job, that, that woman on the job has been looking at you and, and talking about you and flattering you and sharing things, and you're starting to find yourself attracted. Okay, so I'm telling you right now, that is a setup for adultery. Here's how you kill it. Go tell your wife. She like, are you kidding me? No, 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 that's, hey, that's radical, but um, do you want to fall or do you want to keep your marriage? And, and the same, and it might be, it might be the other way around. Maybe it's a, a woman and some, some man's been moving in and talking to you the way that you wish that your husband would. You need to get into some counseling and learn how to love each other and build each other up. Listen, I'm just saying, I'm trying, listen, this might save some marriages. I'm almost done. As a husband, you don't spend time with your wife. That's a special kind of stupid. And there's no such thing as falling out of love. Love is a commitment. Love is crucifixion. That's what that is. And the feelings, they come and they go. You spend time. You build her up. Start doing loving acts. Do the 40-day love dare. I think our, we've got our, some of our KSM students that are doing that. Is that right? The 40-day love dare is a Baptist thing. They sell it in Walmart. It's amazing. Go get the book. Don't tell your spouse you did it. Want some fire in your marriage? Go get them. You might have to do three cycles of the 40-day love dare, but the thing will come back to life. I said the thing will come back to life. He said, well, I'm divorced. I'm sorry. There are reasons for that. Adultery is a reason for divorce. And God can allow, God can give you a special grace, but don't you let one person tell you you have to have it. God doesn't give you grace to forgive and get back together with your spouse that committed adultery on you, then don't. You have every right. Yet God hates divorce. But at the same time, as a good Christian, you need to take him back. No, you don't. Good Christian, you can divorce him. 
But you need to be let you need to be in lots of marriages. There's even marriages here that have been through adultery and God healed them and brought them brought them together. If you don't take care of things like this in your marriage, I'm talking to a couple people up in here, men and ladies. You've got to build up your spouse. You've got to speak life. You've got to take dates. You've got to love. You've got to buy them things. Amen. You've got to spend money on them. Give them gifts. Learn their love language. You don't have to fall. And your marriage can go on. Amen. Lift your hands all across this place. Father, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to fall. Lord, use this word in our lives to reveal anything that's out of accord, and we repent. Come on, let's repent. We repent, God, for, for grumbling, for murmuring. We repent for the different things where we've fallen short. We ask you to wash and cleanse us, and give us, and teach us the fear of the Lord. We pray in the Spirit. Come on, pray in the Spirit right now if you have that freedom. If you don't, ask God to fill you. Lord, oh, Lord. Come on, lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't need to be interpreted. That's why it's in order. If there's two or three that are bringing a tongue that needs to be interpreted, that would be out of order. But your prayer language all at the same time is in right order. Ready, set, go. I can't hear you a little louder. Thank you. Keep ourselves in the love of God. Lord, we thank you. And we praise you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One more thing. Never want to close this service without giving people an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those online, if that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him. Pray this prayer right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. And just as Jesus rose from the grave, raise my life up now and use me for the purpose for which I was created. And keep me. Help me to run the race and never fall. Never turn my back on you. Help me to keep my heart to live righteously to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and all my strength. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Let me pray for you. The church is over. Father, thank you for what you've done. Lord, put upon us a fight that we would be diligent, Lord, to keep our lives clean and free from defilement, the yoke, the things that so easily ensnare. That we'd be diligent to keep our heart, to serve you, to fulfill that which you've called us to. Not to be trees that, that bring forth rotten fruit. Lord, nor we want to bring forth good fruit. We want to fulfill the purpose for which you've called us. The purpose for our church. The purpose for being alive in this hour in history. God, we want to do it. And we're asking you to help us. Show us where we, what we need to cut off. Show us what we need to change. Lord, show us where we need to get rid of things and internet and different things that might be causing a defilement in the name of Jesus. And release upon us fresh fire and zeal for the house of the Lord. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. 
and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen.